Today is October 26, 1993. Hmm? Today? Well, happy birthday to your father. And um, my son's birthday was yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, then this is an auspicious day. Um, and uh, it's uh, my, my name is Vida, Sister Prince. And I'm with Catherine Weston again. Um, this is the third time we've met, and we're just going to talk about some things that we uh, want to discuss. The tape. Um, and start over. Family history, Catherine, on your mom, your mother's side, because you said you didn't know much about your father's side. Um, and you started with your great-grandfather. His name was Willis Pettifer. Pettifer? Pettifer? Pettifer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, if you would just uh, really begin and talk about it. Of course. They died before I was born, mm -hmm. so I only know, as I remember hearing them spoken about. And my great-grandmother was Catherine Pettifer. So your name for your great-grandmother? Right. Okay. And <clears throat> they had two daughters and a son. Um, my grandmother was named Mary Eliza Pettifer, and she had a sister who was named Catherine, and the brother was named Willis after his father. My grandmother married a John William Perry, and they had three children, one boy who was William Augustine Perry, my mother who was Catherine Cornelia Perry, and an aunt who was Mary Gertrude Perry. So your grandmother, it was your grandmother. Okay. All right, now, go ahead. Then my mother, Catherine Cornelia married Milton Moran Weston, and they had five children. I was the eldest, named Catherine Cornelia for my mother, a brother who was Milton Moran for my father a sister who was named Mary Annis, and another sister, Grace Violet, and the youngest is named Nola Jean, J-E-A-N-N-E. Where does the, was everybody colored? Was there white, Caucasian? It would have been on, I really never knew whether my great-grandfather was Caucasian or not. All the family ever said about him was that he was English and came into this country from Canada as an indentured servant. Is, is he the gentleman that you said wanted his daughters to be educated? It, yes. Okay. That was my great-grandfather. And when the Episcopal Church decided to 
established St. Augustine's. He sent my great-grandmother and her two daughters. That was Mary Eliza and Catherine, whom they called Kate, to St. Augustine's. Um, the other thing is, is your education. Well, did they ever tell you stories, Catherine, that, that you could remember that, of people ancestors or, or um, that followed in the family. You know, some people have stories that go from one generation to another until they're not true any longer, probably. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. I remember <clears throat> some of the things that um, My mother said happened when she was at St. Augustine's, but I don't remember any stories from my grandmother, except the ones I told you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's go to your education, and, and you told me much about it, but I, if we would start with the, uh, the church school, if you, if you could describe how it how it was set up. And the church school was established by my grandfather, and when he retired, my mother and father and uh, aunt continued the work. And it was um, an elementary school, went through eighth grade, really went uh, I guess you could say eighth grade, but we tested and I went to St. Augustine's High School for one year. And then went to Brick College, which was a junior college for two years. Right, so, so St. Augustine's was near Raleigh. But it it, it's, in it Raleigh. is in Raleigh. In Raleigh, North right. Carolina. Brick, and it was a junior college, um, operated operated by the American Missionary Society, which was a congregational church school, and I stayed there t for the two years, a year and a half really, then went to Knoxville College for the last two years of, of college. And so St. Augustine's was, then what? It was a junior college also. So the Bishop, Bishop Tuttle's School of Social Work? Um, that was added later. And it was a graduate school where you went after you had finished. So when I finished Knoxville, mm -hmm. I went back to St. Augustine's to oh. the Bishop Tuttle School of Social Work. Okay. And that was, how long was that? Two years. Two years. Mm -hmm. 31 to 33, and then I came here. So you had been away from home great deal. Yes. How was that? Because you had really lived in... Well, I'd always go home in the summer, mm -hmm. vacation, and then back to school. Did the rest of your brothers and sisters have this kind of education? Yes. Everybody followed. Um, how did how did you manage uh, on, as you put it, a limited income? How was that managed? I don't, I've never 
known how my parents, they didn't discuss finance. I don't know how they did it, except that we all worked in school. Tell me what you did. I knew how to cook. So I had jobs in the um, in the kitchen dining room, in the kitchen really. Uh -huh. um, I would um, make bread, make cake, make mayonnaise, and a certain number of hours that you would work every day. Was this at St. Augustine's or every place? Every place. No, I don't think I ever did anything at Brick. I didn't, I don't think I did Can anything you? but um, sing in the choir and go with the choir when they went on trips. But I didn't. I didn't have a job like I did at Knoxville and at St. Augustine's. And at Bishop Tuttle, a part of the training was management, and I got a scholarship there, so I didn't. Can you tell me about uh, where you lived there at uh, St. Augustine's? And In the dormitory. And Bishop Tuttle was all in one building. We had living quarters there. Mm -hmm. Was there a chance to have a bow? Yes, you could have company. If you want. If you, if you wanted to. Um, okay. Uh, what, what was it? Did your parents, um, was the connection this, I mean, you were gone so long, it seems, with, with most of your schooling, but you, today you still seem like very much the daughter of your parents. How else would that be? Well, people get away from it, but... They've, because both of them have been dead now since 65 and 66. But I was living away from home. In fact, I've really lived away from home most of my life. Mm -hmm. What was it like to go back? And when you were young? It was pleasant, you know, you enjoy it. I never had more than two week vacation. So, small town, there wasn't anything much to do but to rest and enjoy the family. Um, your mother's education. The ability that, and and it was extraordinary, I believe, at that time. It was because the male chauvinism was at its peak. The woman was supposed to be a part of the home, but in the Episcopal Church, the wife was supposed to be a helpmate to her husband. And they had the school, and then my mother taught music. She sewed. And in that way, they were able to to manage. Um, living costs, not to be compared with, with now, 
was e wasn't even when I began working. Um, I made six to five dollars a month and lived better than I can live now. But wasn't it extraordinary for her to, to have a, uh, an education at Columbia to get a BA in the late 19th century for a black uh, woman? Yes. It was. Um, but. I don't think she got a BA. Because I remember she just went in during the summer to augment what she had gotten at uh, St. Augustine's. So, I don't, I don't think she had a degree. So she took the courses? Right. Um, and so her degree came from St. Augustine's. Right. I see. Okay. Um, um, you said that, that uh, well, or I said in the last interview that your parents must have been, and your grandparents, maybe the pivotal people in, in that town, in Tarboro, in the community. It was supposed to be. Um, anyway. Were there others in the town, uh, other families that had had the same um, education? There were two doctors there and a dentist. And there were some some teachers up there. Did they teach in the church school? No, they taught in public school. Do you think that there was much of a difference between the two? Yes. In fact, there was no elementary school in Tarboro but the church school. Um, children had to go um, over the river to a town called Princeville. Then they had a high school in Tarboro. But, um, they didn't have an elementary school at all. And that's why my grandfather started the school. But could those could could anybody go to that? Yes. To that school. Um, Catherine, you you told the story about the photograph and um, being. I wish you'd tell it uh, on the tape about... Uh, oh, that little picture on the table. Yes. And only my shoulder is shown. Shown in a family picture. Uh, you know, you don't get my face. I think you thought there was no part of me on there. No, I said it was like like a part of a dress is what I could see. Yeah, that, uh -huh. that, that's me. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and would you tell that? What oh, happened? I mean, we were gathered in the backyard to take this group picture. I think I was eight. And I was very talkative at the time. And as they gathered and were being placed on the picture, I said, I'm going to be the prettiest thing on the picture. And when the picture was developed, 
I'm not there. That you don't break. That you don't break. I have given that a lot of thought, maybe overthought, but <laughs> I we're laughing. You and I were laughing, and we laughed last time when you first did it. I, I, it was always funny to me. Was it funny? <laughs> was it funny at the time? I was disappointed by doing when the picture came out and, and I wasn't the prettiest thing on the picture. <laughs> but it got to be the family joke. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> so I never, I never had any feeling of um, depression or anything about it. It was just one of those things that happened. But did it? Did and you don't brag. <laughs> <laughs> So you learned it. I learned it early. Early. Did did your papa, did your father, did, is that the way they tried to get their messages across? Generally. But that was my mother's statement. My dad didn't say anything because he was the one that made the error. What, the picture you mean? Uh -huh. In, in focusing. Oh, he didn't do it on purpose? I, no. Mm -mm. Oh, I see. I uh -uh. thought that he had done it on purpose. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh. He wouldn't have done it to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they always considered me a papa's girl. It really? Was it true? Sure. Tell me about papa. Very quiet. <clears throat> My mother was the talker. But my dad had a sense of humor. But we laughed more at him than we did at his jokes <laughs> because he couldn't keep a straight face. Mama would get to, to fussing and fussing and fussing. Dad would get his hat and go out. He'd come back chipping. He said, is it safe? <laughs> that gives you an idea of the kind of person he was. <laughs> no confrontations. <laughs> mm -mm, he didn't like them. Even to the point that my mother was angry one day about something, and it wouldn't—I don't know what it was. I never remembered that, but I did remember what happened. And she said, "Go tell your father." I said, to "Whip you." And that was enough to start the water flowing because I didn't think my dad would whip me, but that started. It was enough to start what? Oh, the water My, work? Crying? Crying. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got there, he said, close the door. There it saw. And we had children's wooden chairs. So he said, yeah. Say what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, he would get on the chair, and I would scream blood murder. <laughs> he hadn't hit me till tomorrow. Do you think you really, do you really think your mother thought that he was? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Does that bring back other things?
eight, eight or nine, eight, I think. Um, that was from Savannah. Did your grandfather start the whole church? Yes. And he went, he traveled through the north, I was told, and raised the money to build the church. And it's still occupied. They don't have a priest, but they do have service. And then I think priest comes from the white church, uh, which is at the next block um, once or twice a month. And then they use lay readers to conduct service the rest of the time. That they haven't had a, a resident priest since my father retired. Since your father, my goodness. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a long time. Right. For them to continue any kind of ministry, but they do. The last I heard, they, they still have, have services. What other kinds of things did you do in Tarboro? You mentioned uh, that they kept you busy in, the, in that little town and that kind of you had to be on your good behavior because everybody was kind of looking at you all. And um, you told me about two incidences, but you mentioned that there were piano performances. and So walking was an activity, but what other kinds of things did, did you do um, that uh, your parents might have either selected for you or you and your friends did on your own to keep busy? We, we had parties. Did you play with your family, or did you? Did you yes, mostly, out? mostly with family. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally, there were a few children that um, we would go to visit, and most of the time, my mother would take us, mm -hmm. and then they would the children would come to visit us. And play games, play the piano, dance. Had you liked the performances, the piano things? Oh, we enjoyed those. You liked? Mm -hmm. and, and was it part of the church? Just nothing. I guess you would say a part of the church, um, but generally community, because we would go and have programs at different churches. And you would play at different churches? Mm -hmm. Have recitals or programs or what? So it was open to the community? Right. <laughs> you have an awfully pretty smile. Uh, and that your mother made your clothes, most of them. Yes. Did you get to pick out anything that you wanted? or? We generally pick materials, uh -huh. sometimes pick patterns. but. When we were away in school, she would make the selections, and you would uh, you would wear them. And you would wear them. Right. Did they were they um, what you 
liked and felt up to date with. I wish I could have sold like she did. Did beautiful work. She made clothes for me after I started working. Oh, did she? Mm -hmm. Set them up here. I'd send the material to her. That must have been hard to start buying store clothes. It was. And especially when you had to buy them at uh, very modest fees. If I had been able to afford designer clothes, maybe it wouldn't have been so difficult. But she did the couturier type sewing. Beautiful work. I was accustomed to uh, a segregated uh, living um, arrangement because Tarboro was in the Deep South, but I had never seen anything like the big city, so I, I was greatly disappointed in what I saw. The uh, Ville was, it was clean, but modest, very modest home. The apartment building in which I went to live with this, this woman who had graduated previously from Bishop Tuttle. She took us in because we had planned to stay at the Y. We didn't get to see it. They took us directly to this apartment uh -huh. to share until we could find adequate um, living facilities. So they didn't think it was nice enough for you? Right. It was a wooden building in the downtown area. It was on Garrison and Lucas, and it was just a big old house with no um, no privacy, really, like an open dormitory. So the apartment building was comfortable enough—a living room and. There was, it was supposed to be a dinette, but she used it as a bedroom. So it was a living room with, um, I've forgotten what they called those, the uh, beds. That, hideaway? No, it wasn't a hideaway. It was a hideaway, but that's not what they called them. It was built in a cabinet mm -hmm. 
and you open the doors and then pull down the bed. And a very tiny kitchen. But it was ours because we paid the rent. And three of us stayed. And the woman who had the apartment originally was planning to, she had married and she was planning to move. So they, I took the responsibility for paying the rent and then we shared it. We got along quite well that first summer. And in the bill itself, Homer Phillips Hospital was being occupied, and they had moved a few patients into it. So that brought in um, a lot of activity. But the Poro College, that had formerly been the mainstay of the bill, had moved to Chicago, and the building was being used as a hotel. There were several churches in the area, but some of them were just basements where they had started earlier and had, had not been able to complete them. One of them, they finally completed, and is now a, a very attractive edifice. And they have built on the site where Poro College was. They tore that down and built a senior citizen's apartment. But other than that, there wasn't anything. A few groceries, you wouldn't even call them grocery stores, um, like confectionaries. Mm -hmm. And there was one florist in the area that was operated by the parents of one of the teachers. Other than that, I wouldn't, it wasn't anything to the bill. Why do you suppose that, you know, it has this, the reputation that it has? And I have, I have often wondered, because I was not that impressed. Well, supposedly, Catherine, um, people feel that the elite Sumner and I suppose you know, Jonathan Marshall School and Simmons and so it, and Turner Open Air School. Mm -hmm. That's where all the crippled are children with health problems mm -hmm. had to go. And the colored children's orphans homes yes. was saying along. No. Mm -hmm. yeah. But so it's you know in Anybody that I appreciate your your perceptions of this because it's I've never you know it's been such a <laughs> it was sure I when I've heard people refer to the bill I look and keep my mouth shut uh -huh. because I didn't have that. Kind of, because maybe by the time I moved here, they had moved out. There were a couple of doctors there. Um, one of the nicest looking homes there was built by Dr. Kamashan on the corner of Whitty and Aldine, and it's still a pretty building. And I lived there. But to have all of the Hoorah about the bill 
because there were people who lived on Enright and West Bay. Oh, that were people with um, means and some lived on thinning, and none of that is considered the bill. Bill is what they say is Taylor down to Sarah uh -huh. and Easton or Martin Luther King over to St. Louis. St. Louis it's a very small, very small area. Uh -huh. And let's see. What? There was uh, a Gordon family that lived in that area. They were undertakers, and he had died, and the business had gone down when I came here. But the family home was still there. And there was. Well, people talk about the warmth in the community. And now that may have been true, but you see, I would not have. I was an outsider, so that. I would never have been. Um, people in St. Louis were not very hospitable to us because they felt that we had come to take jobs away from their daughters. And of course we had had some training for what we were doing and they had not had it in it. And uh, that we attributed to the fact that we were not uh, received with open arms. So we socialized among ourselves. And finally, the ice broke. But it took a little while. Just by our going ahead and doing our own thing and not bothering, not making an issue of it. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, maybe uh, in the maybe the one thing about the bill was that people before before you came. There was the only one high school. I think the Shawn was built in 1927. So See, I came point, in 33. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, to that mm -hmm. point, people had to come to the Ville. Right, right. And that was it was sought after for education. And um, as you know, we've talked off the tape about the perceptions of the. Towards the uh, downtown, um, right? Very, very strong, and talk about gangs now. Um, people that lived east of Grand Avenue were not considered recognized, and it was kind of sad because it was still. Very lovely people that live down there on Lawton Avenue and Pine Street and over on Lucas. The church was down on Garrison and Locus. What, what made them think they were so great out this way, I don't know, but they did. <laughs> and not out this way, because they couldn't even come. Now where we are now. now. No. Uh, <laughs> and for the sake of the tape, we're, we're west of Kings Highway. Right. Um, and some of the people that I've talked to that live below, uh, east of Grand, uh, somehow they know that they 
they uh, don't, they sort of deny it, but don't. They acknowledge that that feeling was there, um, but they say that they don't, uh, um, uh, they, they didn't know they lived in a slum. They had a wonderful family life. rivalry between the two schools but it's it's um, it's been interesting listening to, and to that we mentioned once talk, we were talking about Vanderbilt Scruggs Vanderbilt Bunny mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm right they did not let you eat. They did not want you to shop there, much less to eat, until 41, 42. Somebody said that, told you that they had always eaten there. Yes, that uh -uh. they had always eaten. They had always <coughs> been open, but I, uh, they'd always had a, a lunch room or a facilities in the basement, but mm -mm. Um, he was like 67, so possibly when it, you say it opened in the 40s, yes. then that right. would have been forever for him. Oh, yes, you know? I see. Mm -hmm. uh, that might have been when he began to uh, go downtown. Well, he, he was from Mill Creek and called himself downtown people, but... Yes, that, that Mill Creek was downtown. Mm -hmm. <coughs> that you called and told me that that was that opened up in the 40s because uh, that made sense to me. Right, right. It was during the 40s. As I could remember when I went downtown to work. Before that, the offices were scattered around. You talked about, um, I asked you rather, uh, about the business of restrooms, uh, the facilities for colored downtown at the time we're speaking. I suppose it's the 40s and, well, you, you But even me. in the 30s, you could always mm -hmm. go to the restrooms, mm -hmm. but you couldn't eat. But any restroom? Any restroom. Uh -huh. There were no special restrooms in the department stores. Mm -hmm. Did anybody, if you said, where are they? Uh, did they direct you maybe to a different one, like there's one in the basement? Did anyone mm -mm, ever see No. Okay. Mm -mm. Um, downtown, the term downtown in Mill Creek, um, it's been said that, you know, Mill Creek was not downtown. Mill Creek was to the, maybe what, Union Station? It is Midtown. 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 But now they talk about Midtown as being pretty much where we are, from Taylor to Skinker City Limits. Right. But would you say then that um, that you could use the term downtown for for well not for not how would that how would you differentiate between people who lived uh, downtown, which would be east, of, east of Grand Avenue? Well, it'd be east of what? Who was there a difference between the any terms from from Union Station on down from, and from Grand to to Eighteenth? No, it was all just downtown. Okay. Um, um, was there an opportunity to, or was it difficult coming here to have, I use the word bows again, but to have acquaintances, uh, were there gentlemen that, that maybe were similar to your background? Was that hard to, to find people with an education that would yes. be of interest? 
Negro men have not kept up. It's much better now than it was when I came along. Mm -hmm. But a social life or a group of people. Um, Maybe I was too picky on it. Well, or you, you had a background, I think, that was very dissimilar. It was the unusual, I, I would think. It was. And I don't know that I had any opportunities, but I never considered them mm -hmm. opportunities because I decided I would never marry a person I couldn't respect. But it's left me alone as an old lady. But I might have been alone anyway. Yeah. So that hasn't bothered me. Yeah. But I, I was thinking in terms of a social feeling or a, a, a social background or educational advantages that, that uh, I say advantages, but you worked for them. Parents yes, worked right. for them. But, so. They weren't handed to you on the silver no, platter. No. Um, but um, I'd like to go to the fact that um, we touched on it, but what ha happened when you were let go in your job? Uh, how, how did that, if you could give me a, a good feeling for what I <clears throat> think I, <clears throat> I told you I went to the Bandit Smith uh, Secretarial yes, School. Yes, you told me what happened afterwards, but it was just that little piece of information that they let you <coughs> go, and you animated that it was because of your, vision. your vision. That's what they said. So And they referred me to um, the Bureau for the Blind. And they... But I mean the circumstances. They came, you know, how, it, how that particular thing happened. Just called me in the office and told me. That it was because of your impaired vision. Right. I was unable to do the work but to their satisfaction. <clears throat> but were you feeling that you were unable to, is what I'm saying at that time? <clears throat> no, I didn't feel that I couldn't. But I had no, t there wasn't anything I could do about it. Now, when <coughs> who, who was they? Was this the, you said that... Supervisor. And your supervisor was, was colored or... Yes. And, and I, I remember said that, how could they let you go? There, there must have been a shortage. You, this was in the 50s. Yes, 56. But you said by 56 they had plenty of... They had plenty of people because they had reduced the standards to the point that um, they had plenty of people available. Talk to me about that. That was my next question, were the same kind of people being brought in. No. Tell, tell me what, what changed and why do you think it changed? It changed because um, there was a great deal of unemployment, and they were um, didn't were able to get get people. They were what? They were able to get people to work. Mm -hmm. um, but they still had to have a degree. They um, dropped it to two years. 
need all kinds of changes, you see, so that the years of experience and education meant nothing. They were more concerned about my ability to um, read, which I still could do at that time. And uh, I would make budgets and clip the budget to the form in large enough figures so that I could refer to them. That was unsatisfactory. And then when uh, I had had an accident and had gotten a settlement, in fact, I got a judgment, and then out of court, the attorney settled. But the supervisor's husband was an attorney. And she read the St. Louis Review and saw the judgment and told the administration that I had gotten this sum of money. So when I went to the Bureau for the Blind, she had passed this information on to them. And they would not do anything for me because they wanted to send me to a rehabilitation center in Kansas. And I refused. I only had the thousand dollars, and they weren't um, offering me any job. After had I gone to the center, and in my refusal, I. Um, ask what other jobs, what other kinds of things, because I didn't have any psychological problems that I would need to go to a rehabilitation center for. It would, be, it would seem to me to make more sense to learn how to do something, a skill. So she, I said, um, has everybody who has come to you been sent? Oh, well, you could go to Arkansas. I said, That's, what job would you offer me when I finished? So then I still asked the question, what have you referred other clients, because that's what you're called. She said, oh, I set a woman up with a, a washer and dryer, and she did laundry in her home. I said, I don't have a home. I rent, and there is no basement. So then I demanded the home teacher so that I could learn to read Braille and learn how to type. Oh, I just thought of his name. He was Stanford. And he came to the house. And I, I was surprised I picked the phone to Braille. He said very rapidly, and then I borrowed 
a portable typewriter so that um, I could begin the rudiments and the fingering. And eventually I bought one. And when he finished, I learned about the Vendor Smith Secretarial School by calling one of the dictaphone companies and asking if I might come in and practice typing from the dictaphone and they permitted me to do so. And they told me about Vandersmith School. So then I called and made an appointment and went in. And I um, had to pay for my own lessons. That's about it. Except when I was as far along as Miss Amanda Smith um, thought I could go, she tried to find a position for me as a receptionist or something of that sort where I could take messages or type to do. And finally she called me one day and said that she was very, very sorry. She had several places in mind that when they found out I was a person of color, they would not accept me. So then I was on my own. I made all kinds of applications, places, and some of them would take the application and some just flatly, flatly refused. And finally I heard that they were in need of a social worker at Ferry Harrison. And I went there and was hired. Catherine, so you learned typing on a braille typewriter? No, I got regular typewriter touch system. Well, I know that was at Vandersmith, but I thought you said that you. He taught you braille. He taught me to read braille. To read braille, but mm -hmm. not typing. Not okay. typing. Mm -mm. I still won't know. I don't know how to use a braille typewriter. What a difficult time that was for you. Did, did your parents know that these things were going on? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No. You just did it yourself. It was taxing, but for some I made it. How did you make it? I um, had a lot of busy work because I didn't make anything, but I've always liked to cook. I made cakes for my friends. And at Christmas time, I made fruit cake. Sold it. Sold it. Mm -hmm. So you're resourceful. Mm -hmm. I called it Kathy's Bake Shop. Kathy's? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and And you were, where were you living at that time? I was living on Enright at that time. I had a third floor apartment and private home, but I had my own kitchen. Oh. I cool. always had a kitchen. Oh, really? <laughs> no matter where you were? Yeah. Well, it's good therapy for... It kept me busy. And, um, and, and something you were good at, which was important, to feel successful at that moment. 
So every every kick is a boost. Describe the conditions maybe that people lived in 